0: It's time. Living paranormal. Real stories. Real investigators. No scripts. From
1: legend to haunting.
0: Everybody. My name is Rob. And I'm Jason. And welcome to Living Paranormal. Guys, great to be back for another week of uh, paranormal chat uh, topics from everything from ghosts to yetis to Bigfoots to UFOs to, I don't know, northern lights. I mean, I'm just trying to grasp it. A few northern
1: here. lights,
2: yeah, the paranormal, nor- northern lights. Yeah, no explanation for those at all.
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely I'm yeah science. just outside just of science a and hard logic time. I'm you, just know, you a hard everything else tells us I had
2: to. so but anyway jason how was your <laughs> week man and my week's actually been pretty good man pretty good i've just uh, been studying up as much as possible i try to take up swimming and i thought that if you look at a few videos on how to tread water that it's going to be fine so myself all totally overconfident went over to the 6 foot end of the pool And 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 nearly died. Like I just, I almost didn't make it. And 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 it's funny because Kim was there, and and she's a lot shorter than me, but she's a much better, um, a much more accomplished swimmer than I am. She's like, meaning she can swim.
0: Well, no, she's very good at swimming. She's very very good at swimming. She's a very as opposed to you that swims kind of like your average. 45 pound boulder.
2: Yeah, like a brick. So I'm okay. I'm in there and I'm like, I'm gonna tread water. I'm gonna tread water and nearly died. So no, it was embarrassing. <laughs> Other than that though, a wonderful time was had. <laughs>
0: but, Excellent. What Glad about yourself,
2: hear. man? How was your week?
0: Oh, it was it was good. I'm back to work finally after the surgery and feeling better. But you know what? Got a kind of a wonderful announcement to make tonight. Um, and, and, unfortunately, no, I'm not replacing Jason as the co-host. I'm kind of stuck with him for a while. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a yeah, good guy, wow. but, um, a lot of, you know, a uh, long term, long time friend of the show, uh, our third host and, uh, just an amazing talent, the Reverend Robin Marie. Um, also, by the way, author of a wonderful book called The Harvey Boat, especially on 9-11 is a great time to think about this, uh, wonderful book and, uh, Jason, I'll let you describe it in a little more in depth because you do it so, uh, elegantly, but, uh, Coming up in October for us, um, we have a uh, wonderful weekend planned. So the weekend of October 28th, 29th, and 30th, that's Halloween weekend, Um, normally we host the paranormal team that I'm the head of. We host uh, a big event at the Ramsdale House in Cerrito, West Virginia, where we actually talk about the the Ramsdale House. We teach people the basics of investigating. Well, this year it's actually turning into a conference and there's going to be several guests, including the wonderful and fantastic Reverend Robin Marie. She'll be there all three days with us. So I'm Absolutely thrilled to be able to announce that that's coming. And uh, I'm just as giddy as a schoolboy. I'm not going to say schoolgirl because I really don't know what that feels like. But um, <laughs> I'm absolutely just thrilled that Robin, as well as several others, are going to be gracing our presence. And we get to spend some wonderful time working with her. Not to mention, she and I get to um, once again, you know, uh, renew our friendship in person, which is just a, a wonderful thing. But, Jason, if you would give us a, a quick, uh, Basically, synopsis of the Harvey boat. Yeah, no, I was
2: actually glad you gave me the opportunity to because I'm holding a cop my copy of the Harvey boat right now. It's a really wonderful book. I don't know if you, if people or listeners are familiar with a process known as automatic writing, but it's essentially a uh, it's it's known as psychography or spirit writing. Essentially, the spirit communicates through a medium who writes down the content given to them word for word. And what you have here in the Harvey boat uh, with Reverend Robin, written by Reverend Robin Marie. Uh, is essentially a children's tale of some events that transpired on 9-11 from the the point of view or perspective of a Harvey boat. It was written exclusively through the process of uh, automatic... Automatic writing. I wish there was automatic speaking, then I would have gotten that right. But uh, it's a really interesting uh, look behind the veil. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bought my own copy and, and uh, definitely recommend it for everybody listening. I'll put links up to this on the show notes under the description of the show and uh, in the show notes themselves. And also, of course, you can find the Harvey book, uh, links to it in our guest bookstore. If you do decide to order through Robin's website, which is www.revrobinmarie.com, that's R-O-B-Y as in Yankee, N as in November, E is an Echo, Marie, M-A-R-I-E.com, uh, you'll actually get an autograph copy, which is awesome. So definitely recommend
0: doing that or through Facebook and, and- Twitter. And for the record, Jason, my copy is autographed, just so
1: you
2: know. Well, you know, I bought mine through Amazon. I didn't get mine autographed. I'm going to have to meet up with her and get it autographed. She
0: actually place. she actually autographed mine in
2: person, wow. but that's okay. just... okay. You know, well, my, yeah, now her. you're just showing off. But anyway,
0: moving on. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, after that botch up, I take back the elegant thing that I said about your speaking. So.
1: <laughs> Thanks.
0: But Jason, you know what? We have a fantastic guest tonight, and it's an interesting topic. And I know we've touched on this several times in the past. We've kind of... You know, skipped around it. I guess you could say uh, maybe yeah. danced the slow waltz with it, if you would. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is that a good good way to put yeah, it? Yeah, no,
2: I like it. Yeah. That
0: but uh, Jason, if you would please do the honors and uh, introduce tonight's guest and topic, please. Always honored to do so, and especially
2: tonight, we're actually welcoming back somebody that was such a delight, such a wonderful treat to speak with. We we absolutely enjoyed the show. Uh, well known for the being the author of. Three books on the events that transpired in her home as she was growing up in the 1970s through uh, the the farmhouse known that actually spawned the movie as The Conjuring. Uh, And tonight we're speaking with Miss Andrea Perone about the topics of the connections between the skies and the spirits below. And I want to welcome to Living Paranormal, Miss Andrea Perone. Thank you so much, Andrea, for coming on the show. We really appreciate you.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure entirely. Both of you are such wonderful gentlemen. And, you know, we've done this show before uh, with great fanfare and all kinds of people uh, coming down the pike to be involved with it and learn from it. And you're both consummate professionals. You do a great job, and it really is my pleasure to join you again. Thank you well, so Jason,
0: much. Jason, you really have her fooled. I know. Just- <laughs> I, we, we got to get the show rolling before she figures out where she's at. We really need yeah, to exactly. get this. And by the way, I did want to point one thing out. Robin said that she would actually autograph your copy of the book for you if you swam it over to her.
2: Oh, really? That's, there's, yes, there's right there Mex- in chat. There's a Mexican joke in there somewhere. But I- <laughs>
0: Either I way. took the high road. Bring <laughs> <laughs> that out for record.
2: I do want to let everybody know that Andrea Perone is, of course, the author of House of Darkness, House of Light. A really a, a riveting true story. If you're interested in hearing about uh, her story there and, and some of the, the the content contained within those books, definitely just do a search on Living Paranormals website on our main site uh, for Andrea Perone. It will pull up not just links to her book, but also a link to the show where Andrea you really gave us an interesting account of what happened that day without even giving away a lot of your book i was riveted by it and i loved it so thank you for once again for for doing that but you're here tonight to discuss a, a kind of a, a similar topic but a different take that a lot of people may not be familiar with is that right we're talking about something a little different
3: uh well it's not different to me right. uh it's so much a part of my life that I don't understand why it's not as much a part of everyone else's. But that's just my issue, I guess, because, uh, you know, I'm not just the the ghost and spirit lady anymore. Uh, Three or four years ago, uh, I came out uh, in a very public way uh, about my experiences uh, with extraterrestrials and the engagement, the ongoing engagement with humanity. Uh, and this is something that's been a part of my life since I was a, a, a child, really, uh, I think 13, uh, when I had my first uh, cognizant contact, when I first saw something that was irrefutable, indisputable, and so memorable that it shapeshifted my entire life in terms of my own consciousness, in terms of my own understanding of not only the world but the cosmos and it has been a subject of uh, great study and ongoing research for me for decades but only a few years ago did i tell the rest of the world about where i am on this subject and where i am on this is uh, feeling very much at home with the galactic family
2: well you know that's a really interesting take because i mean so essentially what you're saying is that the you're now not just a ghost lady you're all about you're not all about but you're also about the alien phenomena that we've that a lot of us have talked about you know it's the idea of are we alone and usually that's yeah. not a that's not necessarily at least for me it wasn't a common uh, like a a normal leap to make i wouldn't think well there's ghosts here and there's aliens so clearly there's a link that's not so clear to me and uh, I, I first off commend you for coming forward to talking about this. This is a really interesting, uh, really interesting link, and I'm looking forward to talking more about that. But if you could tell us, why did you feel hesitant to come forward with that before, before, uh, before recently?
3: Uh, there were several members of my family uh, that did not um, want me to, uh, and for some reason, felt that it would make me seem too out there, that it would be more plausible and I would be taken more seriously if I focused on our story and only our story. And my response to my sisters, the two that objected, was, this is part of my story. This is part of your story. We all saw things at the farm that could only be described as unidentified flying objects traveling at either rates of speed that were... uh, certainly, especially in the 70s, well beyond anything that we had created or manufactured on this planet. Um, And we also saw a vehicle come down and land in our garden and burn a hole in the spot where it had landed where the corn was growing um, and how it changed the corn around it and then took off in a split second. It was gone. Uh, You know, beautiful colors, colors, unimaginable colors. I mean, these are two of... um, I couldn't count how many things I've seen in my life, and I think that um, my sisters were concerned. You know, they know that I'm very intelligent. They know that I'm very well-read, that um, I have a a great education uh, under my belt and an ongoing education because, of course, you know, school was... um, the beginning for me, certainly right. not the end, right. uh, and piqued my curiosity even more. The more I studied philosophy, and the more I studied the arts, and the more I studied the world, I was likewise studying the nether world, and I was likewise studying, uh, you know, the the universe, the cosmos, and so much of what I worked toward um, in terms of my philosophical study was uh, explaining some of the what appeared to me, even at the time, to be uh, multi or extra dimensional activity around the farm. So, you know, intellectually, it has been my pursuit for many, many years, decades. But uh, it wasn't until I came out to the world that, you know, I started lecturing at uh, symposiums dedicated to, uh, you know, exploring, uh, oh my God, consciousness right. in terms. Yeah of engagement. Uh, there's so much here. There's just so well, much here. Stop me and ask well, Yeah, me real was quick. I was, because otherwise, I'll be like, <laughs> boom, i
0: Well, I think we both have questions at this point. So, Jason, I'll go ahead and let you take the yeah. first wheel.
2: Thanks. I mean, that must have been mind-blowing to be a child, first off, and, and for dealing with the type of haunting you had to deal with, and having to deal with that, and then having the, the mind-bending and mind alter blowing experience of also seeing... A UFO. How, how did you feel when you first saw that? That must have been crazy to, to take in.
3: Uh, well, I shared it, uh, I shared it with the world, I guess, you know, within three or four years ago, uh, in this time frame. And what, I, what I've told others is what I'll tell you. I saw a flotilla of ships come over the farm I was the only one in the yard the Mm. chances of that were a rarity so I'm convinced that I was supposed to be the only one in the yard and uh, it was not until 35 years later that I found out that in that same exact time frame uh, there were a number of sightings up and down the eastern seaboard from uh, up in the uh, Canadian Maritimes to about Southern Maryland, and then the whole flotilla went across the Atlantic, did a little tour of Western Europe, and when the um, the Royal Air Force scrambled their fighter jets it took off over the North pole in a split second. It was gone off the radar. It was gone. Wow. Um, And uh, it is, it's well documented, but I didn't know for years and I don't know why I didn't know for years based on how much I read about the subject matter. I thought that I knew everything that there was to know and, uh, when, in fact, I learn something new every day.
1: No kidding. Um,
3: it's the reason that I get up in the morning, honest the, to God. Yeah, it's not the ghosts spirits that get me up. Honest? I can't think of anything, not anything more important than, to humanity than this. I agree. Nothing.
2: I mean, the idea of learning, and also just learn. It, I think it teaches us more about ourselves when we delve into this topic. And one of the reasons I love talking about the paranormal because it's really a reflection of ourselves as well not necessarily just that it's happening but how we view it how we interpret it and how it impacts our lives i think is really a, a truly a reflection of humanity and how we are uh, inside and within ourselves but uh, i was wondering How Did your your father see any of these uh, events or anything like this, any of this particular phenomena? Because I know he was uh, uh, not really willing to accept the spirits uh, uh, in hauntings that were occurring at the time. Did he see any of the UFO phenomena whatsoever?
3: My father has uh, seen a number of things. I would say the vast majority of them uh, have happened within mm, the last 20 to 25 years uh there are times that i'm with him and they make their presence known to him and not me wow. uh, he has had some pretty close encounters in his life and it, but it's really only been predominantly in the last couple of decades i don't know if they had to wait for him to be ready i don't know there's really no i pulled no up way some videos for you it.
2: Sorry about that. That, that, was, that was a weird technical okay. issue that decided to come up out of no reason whatsoever. <laughs> it just, my my computer decided to say I've called up some videos for you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I have no idea why I did that.
0: <laughs> nice. I apologize. Nice.
3: Now, the, the, the question that I You're actually had
0: – you know, go ahead, Andrew. Please. I'm sorry.
3: That you could have just let that slide, and we could have all thought that there was a, a female co-host <laughs> yeah. off in the, off exactly. in the at their way you now in the in the mess. Yeah. You know. I, yeah. um, I'm so sorry, that I was our third hostess, Brenda. That, you know? quick yeah. enough.
0: Yeah. No, actually, Andre, <laughs> the, the question that I had for you, um, you had mentioned seeing the, the the actual changes in the corn from when things went down. What types of changes did you see? Because I've actually read some studies that talked a little bit about how. Um, in areas, especially with things like crop circles, there are actually genetic changes made to the vegetation. What kind of changes did you observe? And I know this is a weird scientific look at things, but that's just kind of how my mind works sometimes. So,
3: Oh, no, I, I'll never, ever forget it. Uh, so I can give you a detailed uh, description. Uh, whatever it was, and it was not from this earth, I, I can virtually guarantee you it was not from this earth. Um, was approximately two feet in diameter. Uh, it was flat on the bottom, completely, or at least appeared completely flat. Uh, it had panels of lights, uh, colors that I've never seen before, um, flashing all around it, panel after panel after panel, all different colors of lights, some that were familiar to me, some that were not, um, that were just Beautiful. My mother, my sister Cindy, and, and myself were standing watching it out of her bedroom windows. It came in for a landing. It landed square in the middle of our cornfield, which field is quite small. Probably, uh, we probably didn't have more than 100 corn plants because it was just part of our garden, of the larger garden. Um, right. And it crushed I would say two or three stalks crushed them down. Um, I mean, just crushed them and uh, like left a, uh, not a burn mark, but a darkening of the earth where it landed. And then over the course of the next few weeks, uh, as the corn matured, it left in a split second. It was gone in a fraction of a second. It was gone. Uh, It took off. We watched it take off. It, Took off almost as fast as it landed, um, and it only stayed for a few seconds. Uh, it was like it knew it was being watched. It was the strangest sensation. Um, and then, you know, the wow. next morning we went out and we saw the the spot that had been left, and the corn around it as it matured um, had uh, the kernels were different than they were. Some of them were plumper, some of them were missing uh and it wasn't cuz we had crows eating the corner anything like that any of the logical explanations for it um but it it grew at an angle away from the uh the spot that had been landed in um, I can't really explain it other than that, That's except that it was behaving abnormally for corn.
2: Was it? Uh, did anybody talk or broach the subject about consuming this corn? I don't know about you. I would definitely not want to <laughs> eat that. <laughs> but I mean, hey, if you if you're really curious, did anybody try to eat the corn I'm out of curiosity?
3: Uh, no, I know we didn't. Um, it wasn't really edible. It was it had dried up. It wasn't, okay. and you know we had plentiful rain that year, and you know certainly watered the garden too. Had all the water at our disposal we could possibly want. My God, the house was built on an aquifer, you know, so it, it wasn't that. Um, it just it looked strange. And I don't think my mother even fed it to the cows, honestly. I don't. I don't know what she did with it. But I'll have to ask her that. That's a good question. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm sure she'll remember. sharp's attack. I, I but, would... yeah, that was one incident of, you know, a number of incidents that occurred while we were at the farm. And I've always wondered, and my research um, is, is really... um Focused on trying to determine what I believe is some point of correlation and integration between spirit activity and extraterrestrial activity. And if it just is that it falls into the category of extra dimensional or multi dimensional, you know, that's correlation enough for me. Right. I just want to be sure about it.
2: I know, absolutely. And, and it sounds like. Uh, you're starting to make these connections, but I was wondering as far as the connection between that particular incident you're referring to with the corn. At that time, did you notice any inherent uptick in the paranormal activity that was occurring in the home or any what seemed to be related experiences in the home between the paranormal, uh, the ghosts or spirits that were there, and that that visit?
1: Mm.
3: No, but I will say that after that incident, uh, I personally saw more traveling light in the house after that little tiny pings of light that would just kind of travel through the house and then just be gone. And it really, for me, blurred the lines. I began to, uh, I developed a distinct inability to distinguish between what might be one thing and what might be another. Uh, and so I had a tendency, even at a relatively young age, to lump it all into one category, which was weird. You know, it was just right. weird. And that was the word of the day for us in the 70s anyway. Oh, that was weird. You know, <laughs> oh, wow. What was that? Well, wow, that was weird. You know, I mean, that's really, that's. I don't know. I don't know if it was spirit phenomenon, if it was extraterrestrial phenomenon. I don't know what it was. All I know is that it was.
2: I do have to also point out that your old co-host, George R. Lopez, is in the chat room, and he said that the parents were children of the corn. (laughs)
3: <laughs> which i thought was oh which I thought and was awesome. he would say something like that and you tell him for me and i know he can hear me but while we were talking about the corn i almost said that so you know i want him to get out of my mind now
0: great, mind, hey, great minds do think alike
3: you know? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That was awesome. well now i'm nervous because george doesn't have george has uh, a real clear understanding and, and very scientifically minded, like yourself, Rob, uh, and his approach. And you as well, Jason. Although I find Jason to be a little bit more on the spiritual side than you, Rob. But um, you know, uh, he's more of a healthy skeptic than I am. I'm not. Uh, I'm not skeptical at all about extraterrestrial engagement. Not at all, because I've seen too much, and to be skeptical about it would be to question my own uh, intellectual processes. It would be to question my own ability to discern reality and so I don't question it at all well, I know what I know yeah. I know what I've seen and, and over the course of my life mm-hmm.
2: yeah I mean you're too close to it you're way too close to events in order to, to be able to to, to truly take a a, a, a a objective approach to it so I, I can understand that I mean to a large degree, you know, of course my, you still process I, you still apply processes of analysis to it but you're right. not as skeptical <laughs> as some as others but go ahead Rob I'm sorry to I mean
0: I'm so, no, sorry man I was just thinking my first thought that though, when I hear the description of this thing that touched down with it being only about two two feet in diameter. I wonder if you're looking at something here, and this, I guess this is the scientific or sci-fi side of me coming out in some ways, You almost have to wonder if it's some type of a probe or something of that nature that was just kind of sent down to survey the area, check out what's going on. Something like the lunar lander or the, uh, the Mars rovers that we sent out. Um, that to me would make a little more sense than, you know, six inch tall aliens. I, I mean, you know, and I know that kind of a bizarre take on it, but I'm a weird person. Um, Yes, but but you know, I mean, what what do what do you think? I mean, would that can can you see the first alien life we meet being a you know like oh you mean
2: six inches tall? I mean yeah yeah. okay Okay. well you know who's to say? I think
3: that's entirely plausible. Yeah, I really do. I absolutely do. I've seen um, some incredible uh, evidence that there are humanoid uh, life forms that are getting around, as it were and they're they can appear to be quite little. I don't think that they're necessarily in reality little, um but I think in their dimension that they are. You know, the, this thing that had panels um that, that went up to a more narrow top. You know, I th- think of the capsules, the uh, Apollo capsules, mm-hmm. um with panels of light all around it, flat on the bottom, goes up in almost a cone shape and then the top of it has been sheared off. Right. So that it's flat, um, and it had—I mean, this thing, this that, that whatever its propulsion system was, was absolutely silent. The windows were open. Wow. You know, it was summer. We weren't—you know—closed and sequestered in the house. All the windows in the house were open. If it had made a noise, we would have heard it. Um, why were we all standing in my mother's room at that time to see it come in for a landing Mm -hmm. these are to me are the more important questions I think it's absolutely plausible that there are six or 12 inch um, tall uh, life forms and I don't call them alien because chances are if they can get here then they're no more alien to this planet than we are Than they've been here over and over and over again So I don't, and I don't think that they're unidentified. I think they've been identified by someone in the know about this subject. And, you know, we've got 70, 80 years of uh, an awful lot of activity going on around this, this world, this globe of ours, that has been documented, recorded in some way, shape, or form. There is a plethora of information and, and cases of reports documented, millions from around the world. So when you start doing cross-referencing and you start looking at, you know, we've, I've got a picture of what might look like a fairy to someone, um, not necessarily, you know, or the elongated skulls from South America. Mm-hmm. They might be indigenous to the, to the continent, or they might not be. That's why they're doing DNA analysis of them. There's just so much information out there, and in much the same way of, you know, the spirit end of the paranormal. Uh, So much uh, that's been compiled by so many different groups. There's millions of EVPs. I think it's beyond question that something exists. And I think it's entirely plausible that there were little aliens in that little ship, or that if we were to walk into that ship, that it would suddenly be the size of, uh, Manhattan.
0: Right. And
2: I
3: I think that's entirely plausible, too. You know, that's
0: almost like a a sci-fi show that I like. It's Doctor Who. It's like Time Lord technology, bigger on the inside than it is on the out because of a dimensional pocket. Um, So, I mean, and it does make sense that that type of technology potentially could exist. If it's something that we can foresee in sci-fi, there's nothing that says Mm -hmm. that it can't actually exist somewhere in this world. But going back to to these agencies that may be out there, I know, for example, the uh, Air Force had Project Blue Book. um, I know the British, uh, the British, the Australian, and uh, there was one other. I was trying to remember who it was, but have agencies that are dedicated to tracking and documenting all of this. And you know, so there has to be something more. And of course, you know, the any government out there is going to have their secrets. That's you know sure. a given. Area 51 never existed until a few years ago, according to the government. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think that, that you know, the longer we've been around and the more that we look into the, the past of these government agencies – I mean imagine what we could find if the walls of the uh, you know, protectiveness around the Chinese government, for example, were ever taken down to see what their take were on these types of sightings as well as uh, you know, even uh, you know, the Soviet Union. Well, let's take a look at some of the things that we have seen, some of the documentation
2: they do have access to readily. And I think this is one thing that one of our past guests did bring up. And I'm speaking, uh, referring to Bill Bean. Bill Bean did refer to in the past that there are biblical references to objects that may be considered to be UFOs. Whether you're talking about the flying wheel of fire or flame, this is discussed in Ezekiel, and you see that in the Bible. But then you also have references in many of the sites that uh, shows like Ancient Aliens would go to. And they reference uh, various types of pictographs that are found on ancient sites and through ancient civilizations all over the world that are clearly referencing the sky. Now, whether or not that they, uh, as some of the archaeologists believe, they're simply referencing gods that are personifications of people, or whether they're referencing right. actual phenomena they've witnessed, we would truly never, we're never really going to know. I mean, we can't bring one of those people back from the dead and say, just tell us what the answer is. But, I mean, and so it's, it's impossible for us to find out whether or not that, that is going, that is the case. However, there is clear indications that people have been talking about this subject from the beginning of time, and to ignore that common string, that common string, that commonality of humanity, it's, it's its foolhardy to do it. So, yeah, I agree with you. And, <clears throat> pardon me, but the entire scientific community is essentially unanimous on the idea or thought that we're not alone. I mean, well, there has to be life out there somewhere. You have the famous uh, Drake's equation. There, people are saying, you know, the, you know, you take so many planets, the so chances of a Earth-type planet, the chance of life spawning, and what have you. I don't have to iterate, especially for this crowd. Uh, but you know, you have a, almost a certainty that there's life out there. And then Enrico Fermi, supposedly in in a very famous lunch scene setting, said, "Well, then, where are they?" You know, the idea that even if there is a certainty that there's life out there, why haven't we seen them or why aren't they around? As Andrea said, who's to say they haven't been here visiting time and time again? And if you're using technology such as that extra dimensional technology that Andrea referred to or that you had alluded to in your reference to Dr. Who, Rob, you know, we wouldn't be able to see them because of that reason. They'd have superior technology to hide us from that. So it it's a reason that's a possibility. And I agree with the idea that it is possible that aliens could, in fact, already be here. But what I think is really fascinating is that you've made this connection, Andrea, to, to the paranormal. And you did you, now obviously the connection with your old home is that it was so, so active with the paranormal. And to have that type of of activity near a a site where a UFO sightings have been have been seen, that is, of course, you know definitely a connection can be made there. However, do you have you seen that happen elsewhere? Or how many other places have you seen where there the have been UFO sightings? Are you finding a collaboration between those two sightings or phenomena in your studies?
3: I know, yes, I know of four extremely well-documented studies where the house internally was extremely active with supernatural phenomenon, and there was likewise a great deal of activity around the house. And I think that uh, uh, one, particularly in North Carolina, uh, that uh, makes <laughs> mine look like a cup of tea. <laughs> oh, wow. Which yeah, else are you referring I to? I can't right? divulge anything about it, okay. but I can. Uh. <laughs> what I can do privately uh-huh. is put you in touch with the lead investigator and let her run with it and get her on your show. All and right. I'll do that after the show.
2: That would be That's excellent. Outstanding. I'm actually typing Rob right now. Get, get, talk to her. Talk to her. After the show. <laughs> you're show. I, I got, down. I got this. We'll, we'll.
0: Andre, have your people call my people. In other words, you, you and I'll call and talk to each other because I don't have people. <laughs> but,
3: I you, don't have people either. No, no. We'll just chat, darling. We'll just yeah, chat. Yeah, we'll that, that, works uh, that works for me. No, but I mean, that, yeah. I mean, no, I but, think that we. I think we know nothing, gentlemen. I think that we know nothing. I am one of a. a and really one of really
1: uh,
3: only a few thousand people um, that have come out publicly in a big way uh, about this issue, you know, and, and lecture at, at symposiums about this and so on and so forth, put videos out about this. Um, what really in, in the world population, uh, I've, for what I've studied and what I've experienced and considering myself a contact date, um I I don't know of a whole lot of other people that have put themselves out. Uh, Travis, for instance, has, and, you know, uh, uh, some. But it's just scratching the surface. We're just scratching the surface. There are so, so many more people who have had profound, life-altering encounters who aren't stepping up, who aren't saying anything, who are watching quietly from the from the wings to see how we, the ones that have thrown ourselves into the fire and impaled ourselves on the sword, (laughs) are going to fare long-term. And I get that. I understand it. It's the same reason my sisters were very reluctant for me to begin to discuss not only what I saw at the farm, but what I have seen subsequently in my life. They did not want to blur the lines. And what I tried to explain to them is it's all one line. It's all one thing. Existence is existence is existence is energy is energy is energy. It's all one thing. And you can't, you can compartmentalize and you can pull your string theories apart and you can, you know, whatever you, you you can fight with your quarks. You can just whatever you want. (laughs) We don't know anything yet. We really don't. We are still primitive in our understanding of the inner workings of the universe. And I know more than most, and I know nothing compared to what there is to know. And the only reason that I know that is not from my own sense and sensibilities, but because I've been told that.
2: Right. And I can see why people will be worried to come forward, because not only are you talking about already to be just part of this community. And when I say this, I'm referring to, you know, Andrea, yours, mine, Rob's, the audience, the paranormal community. Already, there are groups of population that will stigmatize that group that will stigmatize us. Then you have another group that's being stigmatized, which are the people that talk about UFO sightings and things of that nature. There are people that just don't give any credence to either of those and will consider us, honestly, for lack of a better word, wackos and crazy. You know they lump us into the into a whole bunch of crazy categories, and then when you have a crossover, that's an even more exclusive group of people that talk about both hauntings and UFO sightings. So I can see why those people that why people such as your your sisters or people such as the ones you're referring to uh, in the sighting uh, in North Carolina, I could see why they would be hesitant to come forward because you're already seeing a minority of minority as it is. And it's hard enough to be one of these groups without being stigmatized even further, especially by others in the paranormal community, which I think is crazy for people in the paranormal community to stigmatize anybody. You know, there's a I I can understand if you don't outwardly subscribe to the same school of thought, but we all have to give each other, you know, it's, it's 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 a marketplace of ideas. And we have to truly give each other the ability to cooperate, to contribute and take from this marketplace and really help each other grow, not just push each other down.
0: You know, and truthfully, right. though, if the people that deal with what a lot of people consider to be a theoretical world, which is that of the paranormal, if we're the ones that are shutting the doors on these types of thoughts, then what other types of outlets would that possibly leave for people. We need to be the ones that understand. We need to be the ones with open ears and open minds as well. And I think that's relatively important and something that really needs to be, I guess, restated is that as investigators, um, we deal in a field that a lot of people believe to be wacko slash crazy slash however you want to put it. So yeah, definitely, guys, if you're out there and somebody comes to you with any type of a, a story or tale to tell, hear them out, keep an open mind if you're in this field. That's the least we can do for them. Anybody, for anybody. Yeah. I did have one question for you, though, real quick, uh, Andrea. Um, we've kind of skirted around this, but what do you think is the reason that these two phenomena seem to be occurring more frequently together, that of hauntings with a UFO presence? In other words, in life, logic kind of dictates, and now here I go sounding like Spock instead of a Whovian, but there's always a coherent reason for things to happen. Do you have any, I guess, pertinent theories on why these things seem to be running hand in hand?
3: Well, I think that uh, I wouldn't say that there's been a marked increase. I think that it's probably been a relatively static level of crossover activity uh, that just has gone largely unreported uh, for obvious reasons, the whole taboo, all of that. Right. Um, but I think that uh, I think that there are those, whether it be from exposure or overexposure, there are those of us who have an ability to see extra or multidimensionally. And there is a, a really uh, slight variation between the definition of the two. But basically, um, beyond our own 3D, five-sensory realm, what can you see? Now, here's the other thing. There have been multitudes of sightings that have uh, involved uh, mere mortal People walking down the street, going home, stepping out on their veranda with a glass of wine at night. You know, a multitude uh, of reported sightings that have been videotaped, uh, some that have been, you know, uh, filled in at MUFON and uh, FreeExperiencer.org and, you know, the the places where you can actually have uh, your report filed. Uh, kept on record uh, as somebody that hasn't had an, ex- has had an experience. Uh, and then there are other people, like myself, who I wouldn't even think of uh, going to MUFAN with what I have. I <laughs> wouldn't even consider it. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't even go to Free Experiencer. I don't have five years to write down my experiences to them. I'm busy having the experiences. Right. You know, if I want to write a book down the road later, that's great. But I don't even think I want to write a book about this because by the time I get that book out, I'm going to have accrued so much more information that it will be obsolete. So what I do instead is I share incidents, occurrences, and my thought process around this on shows like this with people who are... Uh, you know, intellectually rooted in the pursuit of further knowledge and information. People who have an open mind to the possibilities and even the plausibilities, Uh, uh, you know, knowing and and innately knowing that we're not alone in the universe. Um, So I pick and choose where I want to put this information out. And I feel no compulsion to have it locked away in an archive, kind of like uh, at at the end end of Indiana Jones, where, you know, the lost art goes into a warehouse. (laughs) No, no. Right. No. This is living, breathing information. This is coming fast and furious at us. We need to talk about it now. Yeah, exactly. Free of charge to anyone that wants to listen. Yeah, exactly. We need
2: to provide these platforms so we can discuss so we can discuss it freely without the the stigmatizing effects that a lot of people see too commonly. And you know, one thing I'd like to talk about and ask about this subject is is obviously you've made this link between these two phenomena. Not just yourself, of course. Many people in the community have done so as well. You mentioned George R. Lopez as can talk about it uh, uh, as well at length. But what I was wondering is how has this changed your view of spirits or ghosts? Do you see spirits? as being uh, uh, essentially byproducts of these visits? Do you see them as still human spirits, or are these what others would consider, consider to be alien spirits? I know you don't consider them aliens because they've visited here so much, but would these be spirits of the aliens? How do those two things correlate or work together?
3: Well, I have, uh, I have my own theory. Right. Right. Uh, I, think that I think that the life forms that are visiting this planet are separate and distinct from the spiritual ghostly apparitions or impressions that are left behind by energy, almost like diffused light. Uh, Instead of being opaque, uh, we become translucent or or invisible, but the energy is still there. Um, So, you know, there were very distinct personalities that we encountered at the farmhouse Whereas with uh, the extraterrestrial engagement, uh, it's not about personalities, it's about consciousness, it's about seeing, uh, as Travis would say, fire in the sky. Uh, it's, I don't know if I've ever had a one-on-one encounter physically with an extraterrestrial being, I tend to doubt it. It seems to me that would have left such an impression on me that I would in some capacity remember it. So I don't think I've ever been abducted or taken for, you know. I feel that I've traveled interstellarly, and but, but every time that I have, it's been alone. So I don't know what kind of experience that is, oh, right. okay. um, but I will tell you that... Uh, It is, I think that they're separate and distinct from each other to an extent. I think they're aware of each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that any race that has traveled across the universe to come to planet Earth in its moments of crisis uh, did so benevolently for the most part. There's only one race that I I really don't trust, Um, and that's the Greys. I think they're little scientists and they're little morphed things that don't care what they hurt. Um, that it just doesn't matter to them. Everything that I've read or studied about every encounter with the graves has been a negative experience for the one who encountered them, uh, including Whitley Strieber. So, um, you know, I would say that I think that in death we ascend. I think that we become uh, energy not dispersed or light diffused, but... We simply morph. We um, go through metamorphosis, a transformation in the nature of our energy. And I think that the spiritual beings that are are, uh, driving these craft to our corner of the universe to try to keep an eye on us and keep us from blowing ourselves up um, are here with purpose and reason and it's benevolent and that they care about us With the spirits, I think it's likewise, for the most part, benevolent. That they're watching over us, they care about us, whether they were our ancestors or family friends, or the, But there's a connection. There's a connection, right. and there must be because everything right. is one thing. Everything is energy. Everything is consciousness. Everything is one thing. I so there, yeah. I think, by necessity, needs to be a connection and an understanding between them.
0: Okay. Well, actually, and and I want to kind of interrupt here real fast, if you don't mind, because okay. I actually had a couple of questions myself. Um, you had mentioned uh, the one one of the 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 races or species that you didn't trust was the grays. Do you yes. in your opinion, how many species do you personally know of, And then I'd like to talk to you about a theory I heard involving the grays and kind of get your take on it as well. So um, mm-hmm. with with that being said, how many personal species or races or however you want to categorize it, um are you at least familiar with?
3: I've seen a number of different types of vessels. I cannot tell you if the vessels all uh, uh, belong to one race or if every different type of vessel is a different vessel that belongs to a different race. Um, I know that 57 races have been documented um, on the planet. I would say uh, to be comfortable with what I have experienced I would say that I've probably been in touch with three or four. The light beings are the ones that come around me. Uh, What I feel from them is absolutely uh, blissful. A a higher love. I higher love them. They love me. Uh, I feel that. I, uh, I wish that everybody could feel what I feel when I have an experience. I wish that everybody could. It would change the world in an instant if they could feel the depth of the passion and the compassion that I feel from them, that I I know I am protected. I know that I am. I I live so fearlessly. I am protected, and I don't know why I'm in. on I'm, I'm part of this whole thing, and I don't know how, and I don't know why, and I don't think I'm a particularly big part of it. Right. You know, I mean, there are a lot of other people that have, you know, way many more followers than I do that lecture on the same thing and, you know, are scientists with PhDs out the yin-yang, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm small fry compared to these people, uh, but I do know what I do know, Right. and that's what I put out into the world. Well, I so a- I know that I have had contact with three or four uh, different races, and I feel absolutely certain that one of them uh, is the Pleiadians.
2: Before you, you uh, Rob goes on to the second part of his question regarding the, the uh, theory he has with the Greys or what he's heard about the Greys. I wanted to ask, you mentioned feeling euphoric, feeling this sense of, uh, this amazing sense of oneness and almost what it sounds like to be religious experience. When do you feel this? Is it just merely being in their presence? Do they do anything that seems to uh, instigate this feeling or is there any moment in which, you know, during contact that you, that you have this feeling? Can you describe when that happens mostly to you?
3: Uh, it can happen to me just thinking about an experience that I had. Wow. I've only had one experience that was a really close encounter that really freaked me out, uh, that caused me to cry, that caused me to um, tremble physically. That was so shocking to me that I didn't know what to make of it, and it was a, it was you know kind of in my face. Uh, and for really, for the most part, the rest of them have been at a bit of a distance, sometimes uh, very close up sightings, but not physical hand to hand, you know, arm in arm contact that I recall. I have had moments, uh, periods of lost time in the last few years, one in Colorado, one time in Nevada, one time in Georgia. Um, that I had periods of anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes of time that I could not account for, and that's only happened to me in the last couple of years. Uh, I see stranding of DNA in front of my eyes before I see the manifestation of a ship, and I see four different kinds of these strands that have absolutely distinct different shapes, kind of a ghosting effect across my eyes. That just started about a year and a half or two years ago. That's a a relatively new phenomenon, high-pitched and sometimes very low-pitched, very clearly audible sounds in both of my ears, sometimes simultaneously. I have had my hearing checked. My ears are just fine, no tinnitus, no issue. And yet this is happening to many, many people who are having comparing notes around the world, having this experience. And the general consensus is uh, what they like to call, I'm being downloaded, you know, just fed information through um, a, 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 in a different way. I don't know what it means. I honest to God, I don't know what any of this is that's happening. All I know is that it is freaking phenomenal. And I love it. I love it. I love the feeling of going outside. I could walk outside right now. And start scanning the sky. And I'm just one of these people. No matter where I look, there they are. And I see them more clearly and have more sightings in the daytime than I do at night. They're more easily discernible in the daytime than they are at night because at night they can be mistaken for a satellite passing over or the space station or, you know, any number of things, shooting stars that are much more visible at night than they are during the day. But I have seen things that cannot be explained any other way than to say definitively without question undoubtedly we are surrounded by alien life forms to this planet that are not indigenous to this planet, but that they don't feel alien to us. They're here to help us. They're here to observe and oversee. And maybe, maybe even intervene, although I doubt it because I think that it's the whole theory of you, if you try to pull a a baby chick out of its egg prematurely, And it dies. If you break that egg for it, it will die. If it is allowed to slowly but surely peck its way out of its enclosure, out of its three-dimensional little world inside that egg, and then, you know, here you go into the world of Technicolor. It has to build not only the amount of energy that it expends to get out of that egg, is the amount of energy that it requires to build its strength to live outside the egg. Do you understand absolutely. what I'm saying? Yes, they absolutely.
2: can't intervene. <clears throat> right, precisely. It's that that uh, that protective. Uh, no Well, to go to the metaphor, it's a protective shell that prevents the, yeah. the subject from from passing on or dying from sheer exposure uh, to something greater than itself that it could not possibly comprehend. Yeah. That's pretty. That's that's very deep. That's amazing. I love that.
0: Rob, I'm sorry. You were going to ask a question. Oh yeah, No, no. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Um, Andrea, a while back and we're getting close to the halfway mark. So this may be the last question before we do our break. Um, but okay. I heard an interesting theory about the reason that the image of the gray seems to be plastered everywhere. And you see this on lunchboxes. You see it in like, for example, the movie Paul, which if you've not seen, yeah. by the way, I highly recommend it's a hilarious movie absolutely hilarious. I haven't seen Um, that yet. Yeah, you've got to watch it, Jason. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever watched. And I mean that, honestly. Simon Pegg is in it, if that tells you anything. Oh, yeah. I love Simon Pegg. I
2: want to see it. But anyway, I'm sorry. But I
0: digress. Uh, The theory that I heard on this was the image of the Greys was actually intentionally leaked by either our government or another government in the world to kind of, I guess, get us um, accustomed to seeing the image so when the Greys are officially introduced, as it were, that it would be less of a shock to our systems to see something that looks so alien because it will have become so ingrained and familiarized. Does that sound like something, theoretically, that would fall into at least your studies on this and what you have experienced?
3: Uh, My studies on this indicate to me that we are fed an enormous amount of misinformation uh, and fear-mongering that is based in, you know, keeping... Uh, a lot of information away from us. It's diversion, uh, diversionary tactics. It's uh, military manipulation. It is, um, it's it, it's lying. It's lying. Um, you know, I take my information from who I consider to be a very credible, credible and reliable source um, on the subject of the Greys and what they are capable of. And that's uh, one of them is Whitley Strieber. I think that um, his books, Communion and Transformation, were absolutely pivotal in our understanding of abduction, the reasons for it, uh, what the beings consider the necessity of it. A uh, very scientific approach in what was an emotionally devastating story. Um, I also know that they're laying off, that the number of, ad- of abductions, according to people in the know, are mm-hmm. decreasing. Uh, Not because uh, people aren't talking about it or have lost interest in it. They're just simply decreasing. Um, And perhaps because they feel that they've learned what they need to learn. But I don't, in my heart, in my intuition, in my instinct, I have no trust of them at all. And that's not true of uh, the other beings that I feel that I have uh, contact and communication with. Uh, and whether they are Arcturians or Anunnaki or Pleiadian or Venusian or, you know, there's like lots and lots of names that get thrown around out right,
1: there. Right. Um,
3: you know, none of us, until somebody walks up and shakes our hand and says, hello, I'm from planet, you know, until that happens, we don't know. None of us know, except for a handful of people who have had uh, the closest of encounters. And I do believe that that has happened on this planet with mortal souls who know way more than the... The vast majority of
2: us and choose to keep it silent. Right. It, you no, know, it's va- it's telling that you say that the uh, people in the know, as as to put it, how you put it, uh, are stating that there's less and less reports of abductions. You know, that's actually kind of contrary to what you would think happens because we ha- we're living in a digital age where we can instantly document, record, videotape, photograph abductions, our thoughts, our day to day movements. We have Twitter telling people where they're at. I mean, you have you have. Instances where people can very easily track their whereabouts. And in spite of all this newfound technology, we're seeing a reduction in abduction reports, which kind of confirms that there really does seem to possibly be a reduction in abductions because you would imagine that people would talk about it more at this point in time. I mean, because Rob was mentioning earlier, he asked a question and you corrected it. He's or you you corrected him in a way by saying when he asked why does there seem to be an increase in this phenomenon? And you said, well, there may not necessarily be an increase. My thinking was, well, it may not necessarily be an increase in phenomena, merely an increase in
0: reporting. Because you do right. have all of these tools. You would, think, you would think after all this time, though, especially with the outing of the paranormal community, as I like to call it, where this is becoming more of an accepted mainline, mainstream type of thinking, um, not close to what other branches of science are, of course, but we are getting there and making our headway. But I think now that you are you literally are hearing more reports because there are fewer people pointing their fingers down their noses at you, screaming, He's crazy, lock him up. And I I think that that's key to this getting done. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of my take on it. Yeah, no, I agree. I could see how that happens. But, Rob, I think uh, it's about that time, huh? I'm going to go ahead and... We're almost there. So, yeah, I'll go ahead and take care of our halfway mark shout-outs. You're listening to livingparanormal.com. This is the uh, host of the web's, I'm going to call it, best series dealing with the paranormal. We love having you guys here each and every week, every Sunday at 9 Eastern. If you're listening to us live, you're listening in one of two locations. And I forgot to do this before the show because I was just so darned excited to get on with Andre again. So, please forgive me. You're either listening to us at livingparanormal.com. That's the weekly home of our show and where you can get in with just a phenomenal chat group we have here, by the way. We've got about 11 or 12, 13 people in the chat room tonight. And guys, continue the discussion because there's a lot of great information coming out on this right now. The other place you can hear us live each week is on freedomrocksradio.com. Freedomrocksradio.com is home of some of the greatest music on the web. If you're tired of some stuffed shirt in either New York, Tokyo, or any other large city, picking your playlist for you, a.k.a. Pandora. Or one of the others. Come on over to freedomrocksradio.com where a live DJ will be more than happy to play your requests. And don't forget, guys, they also have their own mobile phone app now available for not only Droid, but your iPhone. Jason, where else can they find us? Well, if you want to find archive copies of the shows, you can also find those over at
2: WW Wow, www, <laughs> I can't talk today. Dot living Did Paranormal. you just get
0: did you just get into the doobie doobie doo? <laughs> yeah, Are you going back did, like to,
2: to Sinatra style yeah, music on me, man? Totally was. But <laughs> anyway, www.livingparanormal.com. Uh by clicking on past shows or typing into the search bar, you can find any uh, show that we've hosted on this channel or in this series, and uh, over 200 episodes for over two and a half years, and uh, we welcome a wide variety of topics. As Rob mentioned at the beginning of the show, we've covered everything from uh, zoology to fairy tales even, to misconceptions, to uh, banshees with Barry Fitzgerald. We've covered such a wide array of topics. We definitely recommend if you have something you want to talk about or if you have something you want to hear about, we've we've covered it at one point in time, promise you. Uh, And uh, while I won't say it's, I'm not going to go as far as say it's the best Show on the web. I'm going to say it's my personal favorite. So if you want to tune into my personal favorite show, you can find Living Paranormal on any podcast aggregator. Whether you use uh, iTunes or G Potter or what have you, just simply search for Living Paranormal, and we're available as on your favorite podcast aggregator tool. You want to find us on Facebook and find more information about our past shows or even on upcoming shows. You can find us over on Facebook.com/slash Living Paranormal show don't forget to add the word show to the end of that or we're not responsible for where it takes you and of course if you want to send us email you can reach us over at contact at living paranormal Com. Now, uh, another way to reach us, by the way, is go over to our webpage, page at livingparanormal.com and uh, click on About Us. If you scroll on down to the bottom of that page, we do have a form you can fill out. All you have to do is just fill that form out, clickety-clack, hit enter, send it over to us. We'll get it. We'll reply or not if you're spam, but we will reply. <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll be happy to address any questions you have or if you have any show ideas or would like to be on the show, send us an email. We'd love to have you. And I do want to say, Rob, man, we have a really active chat room today, and I love it. I love it. It's been fantastic.
0: It's been wonderful. A lot of great conversation going on, as always. Um, interesting debates. I love having Reverend Robin in the chat room with us because she does a tremendous job of answering some of these questions, and it's just, uh, we are we are truly blessed to have the people around us, especially the uh, people that tune in to listen to us each week that we do have. So yeah, we love you guys. Yeah. Keep keep coming back, and we'll make sure we have some fun every week for you, okay? I mean, I'll what? even pick on Jason for you, free of charge. It's crazy, though, because we also have some illustrious people here. Of course,
2: Reverend Robin Marie. We also have uh, George R. Lopez. We have Jeff Leeper is in the ch- is in the ch- chat room. It's amazing the the people we have in here. Of course, we also we have uh, uh, Larry Davidson, Millie Weaver, Joseph Frazo, uh, Linda Baker, Guest Six Two Four, member of our Ninja Contingency. Uh, tuning in, uh, Patricia Morales Vasquez, Tracy Sparks, Kim. Of course, my girlfriend's Kim is in the chat room. We have guest Hayes and Messi Messiah who's in the chat room. All these people welcome you all so much to the show. Jump in the conversation. We love hearing from you. And uh, they've already contributed with uh, George bringing up uh, the Perones as being children of the corn, which I love. Uh, That was hilarious and it was awesome, but they have such a wonderful conversation going on. Reverend Robin Marie stated at an earlier point in time that the government admits this type of phenomena, I'm putting that in, to individuals, but they do not release it publicly as it may contradict organized religions, which I think is an interesting point to make on that. And, uh, And of course,
0: I had to put the Agent K quote under that. I had to do it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Now, Andrea, what do you think about things like that? When people say things such as that, when you're referring to uh, the government withholding information due to the uh, desire to not contradict, whether it be organized religions or popular political sentiment that's out there or statements or statically held beliefs, what do you think the government may be holding on to this if they know about it?
3: I don't think that... Uh I don't want to contradict anybody, but I don't think it has anything to do with religion. I'm not affiliated with any particular religion, um, so I'm not, but I'm not saying it for that reason. I think that it's far more insidious and it's far more simplistic than that. They don't think we can handle the truth. They want to be the power mongers, the ones that are in control. There are 35 levels of top secret clearance above the presidency. And I think that the United States Air Force and basically our military surreptitiously runs our country and calls the shots and decides who sees what when. And I don't think that because the presidency is a temporary position instead of a lifelong service mm-hmm. that the presidents that have come and gone are necessarily withholding anything. I don't think that they know either. Uh, so it's... Um, it's uh, it really is very covert, right. uh, and I think that it's the reason that it is so is because knowledge is power, and they don't think that we could ever, uh, as a race, as race consciousness, as you know, one, uh, as humanity as a whole, could handle this. And they use uh, case in point, for instance, a few years ago, uh, National Geographic did uh, an extensive piece about the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, reaction of a tribe, an ancient tribe, that was found uh, living in the rainforest uh, that had never seen a plane. And as it came over and it was photographing them and they were looking up the expressions on their faces told me instinctively, intuitively, that that they thought that they were seeing some kind of a god. You know, that this was... uh, That would just... (laughs) To them, that was an alien life form. They'd never seen an airplane. They'd never heard that sound in their lives of the plane coming. Uh, The photography was stunning, and the ultimate decision was made to leave them be and let them... There are still indigenous groups of people all over this planet that aren't living in the 21st century. And I think that we need to be respectful and mindful of that. But I also think that the vast majority of human beings, um, when spoon-fed pablum, you know, one little tidbit at a time, are slowly but surely processing the notion that we are not alone in the universe, you know, and here's another case in point last week, uh, comes out, I believe from Vox.com. you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think that's where it came from, which is a reliable source. Um, that, um, radio uh, signals have been detected, uh, from signals that we have thrown out there and they said, well, it could be this and it could be that and it could be okay. But they put it out radio signals from a a foreign planet have been detected on this planet. Right. Okay. Now, and that thought went through a lot of people's minds as they saw it, and they scrolled on Facebook looking for what Aunt Judith was making for dinner that night. (laughs) And those words came across their eyes, uh, contact made. Some would stop and read the article. Some would understand that, uh, you know, there's all kinds of... uh, things inserted into that article um, to promote the notion that there was some doubt around it, uh, and then they would move on and see what Aunt Judith was making for dinner. Right. Most skipped right over it and went, oh, alien stuff, Jesus God, you know, <laughs> and notifications, you know, I don't <laughs> want to know about that. It's too much. It makes my brain hurt. No. Right. You know, and but uh, you've got this wide variety, this spectrum of people. Uh, you know, with a paradigm shift going on simultaneously around the planet with those who are well-educated, well-informed, well-read, uh, curious, uh, seeking out the weird stuff, and then you've got the rest and there's all different levels of comprehension understanding or even curiosity in that group and then you've got those enclaves and pockets around the world where they're just trying to stay alive and bombs are dropping on their head and they don't have the luxury as their houses crumble around them in places like let's say aleppo where they're going to sit there and ponder you know, how they fit into the universal scheme of things. Right. That, they just want to know if they can feed their children and get the hell out of their lives. Exactly. Yeah, so there's exactly. every conceivable variable in the equation. And when you're dealing with that kind of a complexity uh, it's it, it actually stands to reason that governments around the world that have access to certain information or maybe have had contact. There's somebody at the UN who is put in charge. She, her job is to initiate and to control, uh, extraterrestrial engagement with humanity. There's a woman that has that job at the UN that gets paid to do that. Now, Why would that job exist? Why does Project Blue Book exist? Why does the Majestic Project exist? What about uh, Roswell? What about what happens in the UK and in Russia and in China that is buried and buried and buried? If all of it came out at once, it would blow humanity's mind. That's true. And I think that that's true. So we are spoon-fed pablum one little idea at a time, and who we really have to thank are the visionaries like Roddenberry, the visionaries like Spielberg and George Lucas, and the people who seem to have their finger on the pulse of the universe that are putting these ideas out. There is a whole entire school of thought that discusses the idea that if you can think it, it already exists. Right. You know, and... and Absolutely viable and valuable in terms of the discourse. Well, you know what's interesting to and me is—I know I just went everywhere. I no, just went everywhere fine. all no, no, at once, good. and I'm so sorry. You're I do good. that. You have to rein me in. No, it's we got
2: you. We got this. I would it's like to actually just to speak on something you mentioned <laughs> previously because I like the concept that you said that the one of the reasons why that uh, aliens have not the government has not provided proof positive to the public in a blanket statement and just come out. Flatly, and say that aliens are here is because it's difficult for us to understand or comprehend that are comprehended as a human race because it's just so far advanced. You mentioned that some of the tribes that uh, came across uh, helicopters and planes that they've been photographed looking up in awe at these contraptions, the flying contraptions that they've seen. It reminds me of Arthur C. Clarke's quote that anything sufficiently technologically advanced would seem to be magical in perspective, and mm-hmm. I, I understand that. Yes, it's, I... Yep. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yep, absolutely. Another instance in which this occurred was during World War II in the South Pacific. There were a lot of tribes that became cargo cults, and essentially what they would do mm-hmm. is they noticed that cargo planes would land, Whenever there were these certain markings on the ground and certain buildings constructed nearby, and so you had tribes in the in the Congo, or actually, excuse me, not the Congo, but in the Pacific, in the South Pacific, that were starting to build up fake landing strips, this is to build fake control towers, and some of the priests had reconstructed what seemed to be mock radios and said they were getting messages from the gods directly themselves, and they would trick cargo planes to land there, and they would loot the cargo planes in order to get supplies, and they thought it was a, it was a food from the gods and, and so. Supplies from the gods. And so, you know, that's that's proof positive of an instance in which humanity saw something that was well beyond their capabilities at the time, and at this point I'm speaking from the perspective of the tribe, and they saw it as magical, they saw it as godlike. So to see something mm-hmm. like that, to have if the government were to, I can see your point, reveal that aliens are proof positive here. I could see how not only will there be a group of people that are like, yeah, we know. We've been telling you this the entire time. There's also going to be a group of people, however small they are, there will be a group of people, or large that, that group is. I don't know how big they are, that will say, this redefines my definition of God. This unseats me to a core, to a deeper level that I cannot put my head around this. And it's very disconcerting and frightening. Whenever you talk about something as personal as a person's concept of God, that is a personally transforming effect. That is a very deep and fundamental part of them. And so I could see why that's a dangerous thing to play with, and I understand why they wouldn't say it. So, yeah, that that leads credence to what you were saying earlier about the reasons as to why the government would not actually uh, uh, reveal that information. So, see. I followed along, and you actually made a very good point, Andrew. Thank you so, much. <laughs> thank you so much. You're not all over the place,
3: not over the place
2: at all. We told totally you.
3: <laughs> the last decades of her life, Dolores Cannon focused all of her work almost exclusively on regressing uh, uh, people through hypnosis to remember their abductions, and not all of the more negatives, not by a long shot. And one of the things that she came forward with in her. Uh, own thesis and determinations, as she hypothesized about what all of this meant in total, was that um, one of the things that came through is that some of the species that are visiting this planet have a belief system that's very similar to our own, and that they do believe in a prime creator, and they are humanoid, and they do think that we were all made in the image and likeness of something, or what if one of these great races that's been visiting this planet for millennia and has probably tinkered with our DNA, I feel quite certain, of the RH negative blood factor at the case in point, which I have, mm-hmm. blue and green-eyed people, uh, very often people that are drawn to these symposiums and these gatherings, as it were, the gathering of the clan, all flocking together, <laughs> um, uh, firstborn or uh, an only child. Uh, there's a whole school of thought about star seeds, which we could spend an entire hour on. Uh, that it's all about spiritual ascension, that we could spend an entire hour on. Uh, and I do understand, and I think that it, the whole notion that it would disrupt belief systems around the world is absolutely true. You know, what if what if we are made in the image and likeness of another race that is so far advanced that we can't even imagine it? Uh, Or what if there is one prime creator, one source of energy, infinite intelligence in the universe that likes to make lots of different life forms on lots of different planets that will hold life? And then through our own eyes, you know, what if we are, in my personal belief system, what if we are actually the way that the creator sees its creation? through our own eyes. If, if we are made in the image and likeness of, then we are part of it. That we are Christ consciousness or God consciousness in action on this particular plane at this particular time. And that when the vessel in, that which, in which we inhabit perishes just from old age or disease or whatever, Mm -hmm. that that energy is transmuted, that that energy goes back out into the infinite and reunites with Source and then is recreated in another way on this plane of action or another. I mean, the the possibilities are infinite. It's true. And what we're trying to do is just hone in on what makes Sense to us. For me personally, the whole entire story of the Christ child being born, the, mm-hmm. you know, the beam of light coming out of the sky, everything that is written in the Bible sounds to me like the Virgin Mary was implanted, and that she brought forth uh, a great prophet, a great teacher, um, who professed love and only love out in the world, and what did we, the rest of humanity, do but murder him? Uh, and, you know, this has gone on and on throughout the course of time. Uh, there are whole huge swaths of humanity that in my mind qualify as barbaric and completely uneducated and flying a religion flag when really all they seek is power. Um, you know, there's, there's so many, there's 7.2 billion people on this planet. Actually, I think it's up to 7.3 now. And, uh... You know, there are pockets of pure, unadulterated evil on this planet. Uh, But evil never wins because if it did, we wouldn't be here now. Right. We, We would have already been destroyed. So good conquers evil, love conquers fear, and I really truly do believe that we can raise the consciousness of this entire planet as we all come together and masse and we learn that thoughts are things and that we can connect with our, our galactic family, we can connect with spirit, we can connect... in in multiple ways, in multiple dimensions, that we're only seeing a fraction of what is actually out there, and that the more we develop that internal gauge that allows us to see more and more and more, then as we compare notes, as we do our, you know, our comparative analysis with each other, culture to culture, person to person, that, too, is how we grow and learn and ascend spiritually nice. and then come in more regular and more comfortable contact with the, with the world as it really is. This is actually a new awareness of our old reality. Right. And we I- just... We looked at the old reality Mm -hmm. with a very, very limited perspective, and that is changing at a rapid rate.
2: Right, and I agree. I I think what you just said right now, especially about everybody interconnecting and everybody talking, you know, thinking about how we interconnect with each other and how we relate to each other. I think that's uh, it's it's funny because that's actually a macrocosm of what happens within Mm -hmm. within our own brain. You know, it's not a very fast processor. Okay it's a slow processor it doesn't a calculator will beat you almost every time unless you're a savant and you can calculate quickly. Its strength is not in its processing speed it's in its parallel processing ability and I think that once we as a race learn to and I essentially we are that is how we make scientific achievements. we use uh, the achievements of others and build off of that and others contribute to it We're, we, we process on a parallel level, and I appreciate that. We handle small tasks that we can individually do, and we all do a part of that to advance together. And I agree with that. But I want us to comment on something that George Lopez said, George R. Lopez said in the chat room. He said, This is where Andrea and I differ. No government agency slash power can stop extraterrestrials from coming forward. So, in fact, it still falls on the decisions of these beings not to come full forward, not governments. And I do want to, if I can just uh, say something first before I get your take on that, Andrea. Uh, The manner in which I was speaking about the reason why the government would keep this from us, it's not because I think the government can stop these beings from coming forward. It's because I believe that these beings have not chosen as of yet to come forward uh, if they are present in this world. And I think that if the government does have evidence of this, at that point it is the government's decision whether or not to divulge that evidence, to divulge that information and or knowledge as to whether or not these beings exist. Granted, I agree. If a spaceship decides to descend down from the sky over D.C. simultaneously with Tokyo, San Antonio, because we're so that much popular and important, London, Sydney, (laughs) if it comes over all these cities and decides to say we're here in a loud, booming voice, absolutely correct. There's absolutely nothing the government can do to stop that. But I think that if you're talking about the control of information of what's present, of any proof or any data that, that is uh, evidential of their presence, then yes, the government may be able to stop that kind of information. And that is the perspective that I approach it from. But, Andrea, I'd like to get your mm-hmm. take on that. Do you think the government entity or agency can stop extraterrestrials from coming forward, kind of a men in black situation where they have some type of interaction with the extraterrestrials uh, that, that we're, we're talking about now?
3: I think that George is absolutely correct in his assessment. I think that they are free to come and make their presence known globally at any time. They are free to amass and to uh, cover the globe omnipresently uh, and make their presence known here simultaneously. They, I believe that they have... All of the wherewithal and all of the presence to do that, and certainly the technology and the communications between them to do that. Uh, I think that they choose not to. I think that they're extremely selective. Uh, at least at this point, they're being s- extremely selective about who they are. Uh, and I hate to use the word targeting, but uh, I think they're. Um, I think that they're trying to get the word out through individuals. And that I'm one of those individuals. And, you know, I don't have the reach that, uh, you know, uh, Whitley Strieber has. And I don't have the reach. But he he came out 30 years ago with his experience. Right. I don't have the reach of an astronaut, for instance. You know, uh, I don't. I'm not Philip Corso. I'm not... Uh, somebody who has been off-planet in one of the vehicles that we manufactured, with or without help. I'm not one of those people, but I am a voice in the wilderness, and I think that the reason that they have not made their presence known en masse is because I, I don't think that they want to be responsible for the fallout of that. There are those in the upper echelon of the ufology community Um, and contactees who have said they won't do it because they estimate that approximately 30,000 people would just drop dead from a heart attack. You know, and so that's the responsible thing for them to do is to pick and choose who they're going to communicate with on a regular basis or a semi-regular basis or who's ready and who's not, who's communicating with them telepathically, whose consciousness is absorbing the information and the messages that are coming to them and so that this is a slow deliberate process on their part where they're basically doing what the government is doing slowly desensitizing us to the notion of their existence Uh, on the other hand i think that if we're going to discuss responsibility then perhaps it is their responsibility to make their presence known but the government I look at it as the governments of the world have the responsibility to, uh, to no longer withhold this information and that it should be uh, provided upon demand. England is releasing a plethora of information about their studies, reams and reams of stuff. They've been doing it for two years. Right. Right. Um, and there are other countries that are releasing things as well. Our country is not. Uh, doing that, and I think that we're going to find ourselves behind the eight wall if we don't, because then we will just simply look like what we are uh, as covert as the Chinese, as covert as uh, the Russians, as protective of this information as any of the other superpowers uh, in the world, even though we are uh, considered the you know the penultimate superpower. Right, Uh, It should come from us. It should come from us. I think that the government's responsibility is to at least release some information, that it's not so redacted that it's a waste of paper. Uh, And it's slowly but surely happening. Um, But it's happening, you know, information is being released into certain circles and then disseminated from there. Uh, So, you know, it's a backroom deal. It's the good old boy school of this is how we're going to run this. Now, the government's position is we're doing the responsible thing by withholding this information because the vast majority of you, by our judgment, and some of you by your own admission, are not ready for it. So there are, you know, separate distinct schools of thought about all of this. But really, what it comes down to, ultimately, is, do we, or do we not, have the right to know if we are engaged with extraterrestrials from other realms in our universe, in a universe that is teeming with life? And how and how are we going to get ready for it if we're not given some viable? And verifiable information.
0: Good point. Well, you know, we're we're kind of looking at this from a different angle, though, than I than I kind of took it. And I'd, I'd kind of like to throw my thought on this out there, if you don't mind. And I would really appreciate your feedback on it as well. But we're kind of looking at it as the government is the one that's kind of filtering this stuff down. But what if? Uh, And once again, I'm going sci-fi with my explanation, so please forgive me. But but much like in Star Trek, what if these races have a sort of prime directive as far as contact goes? And Jeff, of course, you type it up in the chat room, right, as I say it. What if that this is part of their plan for revealing themselves to us and the way to get it indoctrinated properly? If they're doing it through, for lack of a better term, starting out with the fringe and then into – smaller governments, and then soon the larger governments start releasing these tidbits of information to bring us in. To me, that seems a little more logical as far as the approach would go, because we would really have very little ability to say, no, you can't do this. It may be an issue of the races themselves are saying, this is how it needs to be done because we're not going away.
3: We're not going away, and you people have to get ready, you know, inch right. by inch by inch instead of taking a quantum leap in consciousness raising. Right, right. I think that's entirely plausible. I think that they are so far advanced that we cannot even comprehend how advanced advanced they are. And not only technologically, but spiritually. I think that, they, you know, they practice the Hippocratic Oath, first, to do no harm. Do no harm. You know, and mm-hmm. I think that based on... Some of the research that I've done and some of the incredible reading that I have done, my impression is that there are groups out there who have told the, uh, basically told the malevolent uh, force that, you know, it's not just a dual dualistic world we live in; it's a dualistic universe that we live in, and there are darker forces at, at work as well. And I think they've been told to back off. You know that we've got enough problems. Basically, go do your scientific exploration elsewhere. Now, and I, you know, I don't know that for a fact. I don't know that for sure. You know, I can only state what I do know and what I have seen. Uh, but I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with speculating about this because it is in, it is in following, not necessarily linear thought, but you know, following the stream of consciousness out. Uh, you know, what could this possibly be? What could be, you know, George and I have, we have addressed this over and over again on our show, A World Awakening, uh, which no longer exists, but the archives are all available, two and a half years of blow-your-mind stuff out there. Um, and, and I encourage anybody to go to our YouTube channel or to our World Awakening page on YouTube, on uh, Facebook, and just start scrolling. Just start scrolling, and mm-hmm. start looking for this stuff. We have talked about this. Some would say ad nauseum, but the fact is that he's right, and so am I. We just have different perspectives on this. He thinks that the worst thing, and uh, you know, pardon me, George, if I put any words in your mouth, you can fix it in chat, and the and the gentleman will tell me. Um, uh-huh. But that it would, you know, not necessarily be a good thing at all for there to be mass disclosure, for there to be governmental disclosure, that this must happen very slowly, very deliberately, if it's going to happen at all. Um, and I understand his trepidation about it. You know, this could trigger uh, worldwide panic. This could trigger, uh, you know, people literally having their, their religious beliefs, their whole belief system in general, fractured. You know, it, there Ryan. there are... It, this could culminate in some very, very negative behavior uh, from human beings toward themselves and each other. You know, we don't need worldwide panic. I think we pretty much already live in worldwide panic. <laughs> well, we don't we, need that exacerbated. We at least You know, have, so I, I understand his mm-hmm. point of view on that. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, I mean, we
2: at least live in worldwide paranoia. I mean, and we also live in a world, and it's evident in the way in which the various governments have chosen to release this information. As you alluded to earlier, the UK has been releasing, the Ministry of Defense in the UK has been releasing information about their UFO files. Uh, I actually had read somewhere that uh, China had released some information, which is surprising to me that China would release Absolutely. information. Uh, and
3: then you yeah, well, said, if they did, it was a fraction of a fraction, oh, believe right. me. <laughs> yeah. And
2: they chose which particular pieces to release, and half of it's probably lies <laughs> anyway. But uh, talk probably saying that the, the U.S. is causing all of <laughs> all of it for somehow. But uh, with the U.S. government, you have a presidential candidate, Hillary Clinton, earlier in May, saying that if she has access to that information, she may release it. I, I think this is this is a, a, an example of how somebody that was a Secretary of State. Stating that making that statement is telling. It's saying that there yeah. are things that first A she doesn't know about, which right makes sense. I mean there the way top secret uh information can be handled at a certain level is that it's compartmentalized. So not any one person knows everything when you get a
3: right. So uh, Yeah, but she was part of the Rockefeller Initiative, and she knows a lot more than she's saying. All right. Already she does.
2: Absolutely, but and when she says that if there is information on UFOs, I'll be happy to release it, is telling, because it could mean one of two things. Either A, I'm a politician and I'm pandering to people that believe in this stuff and I want to make sure that I get their vote, or B... I'm going to manipulate everybody and say that there is information, and then, not, and then when I get into office, tell them, you know what, not after all, and I'm withholding the real information, or C, she could be telling the truth and actually release information when it gets to office. Being a politician, okay. I'm going to go with either A or B. <laughs> because she's probably uh,
3: and i'm going with c yeah I hope i'm going does. with c. I, I really do i believe um and you know anybody who knows me knows i'm with her in a big way right. and you know I, I i make no bones about it i think that she uh is an extraordinarily uh, extraordinary intellect and that she is quite literally the only person the only person who ran for president this year in the primaries and now uh, at the top of the ticket, the only one that is qualified to step directly into the Oval Office. I think she might have um, the—I really, truly believe that she might get circumvented and that some information, some rather explosive information, could actually come out prior to the election. Uh, I'm watching everything very closely in a lot of circles around that. Um, and I've talked with Steve Bassett at length about this. Um, and you know, he thinks as well too, but I'll tell you, um, I really do believe that her, uh, it's not an inauguration, uh, in the, in the truest sense of the word. I think that when I think she will be elected president and I think that when she is elected president, she will be steadfast and ardent in her uh, disclosure to the extent that she is able, to the extent that she will wisely, carefully release information about this subject, because she does care about it. And, you know, two decades ago, she was studying this subject in earnest. I don't think that she just suddenly stopped studying this subject. I think that she is acutely aware of the impact that it will have on the world, and I think that she thinks the way that I do, and that It is quite literally the only piece of information imparted to humanity that will absolutely cause us to reassess ourselves in the context of our universe, not on our plane of action called Earth. It is the only thing, Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned, that will make the barbarians drop their swords and Mm -hmm. fall to their knees and go, we need to rethink this now.
2: (laughs) And I want to interject for a moment because I do want to say, in no possible way do I and I don't think Rob support Donald Trump. In any way do I wanna say that. Thank you. I, I knew I loved I, you both. I, I love you. I don't both. want to turn this political, but I do not
0: support Donald Trump in any any possible way. That being said let's just say Jason and I have had a lot of discussions behind <laughs> yeah. the scenes and we'll just kind of leave it at yeah. that.
3: Um, Okay, very good. Thank you, and I do love you both dearly. Uh, You know, I completely understand George's point of view on this, and it's not that he's being cryptic or that he's being cynical or that he's being negative. He's being a realist, and I think that he has probably a little bit better grasp on the nature of humanity than even I do. But I'm very optimistic. I think that people adjust. I mean, I look at how we adjust to just living on this planet. I mean, there are people that live in the freaking frozen tundra, practically at the Arctic Circle, and they survive. And then those down at the equator, and they survive. And we adjust to our environment. We adjust to information incoming. We all learned how to use a smartphone. You know, I we're capable of learning, and we're capable of disseminating information to each other in reasonable and sensible ways, and we're right. capable of having our consciousness expanded. I agree. You know, and, the, you know uh, before
0: I, I didn't mean to Go interrupt, ahead, Condra, but I, I just wanted to say Turn you ahead. know the, the thing that just really popped into my mind when you when we were when we were going over all of this as far as to how we've adapted. If you look at the leaps and the bounds that technology has made in just the last fifty to sixty years. It honestly makes a lot more sense that those types of advancements, especially, I mean, technology these days grows exponentially, okay? We've made more advances in the last 150 years than we made in the previous 1,000, 2,000 years, okay? It makes sense that, if you look at it kind of from the outside, that maybe this was leaked to us by a higher form of intelligence, by somebody that traveled Mm -hmm. here and said... We're coming. You have resources we need. We have resources you need. There'll be an intergalactic trade, but your people must first be ready.
3: I don't think that they have anything here that they need from us that they haven't either already taken a long, long time ago. They're not going to have us for lunch. They would have done it millennia ago. You know, in terms of that, I don't think that they want anything from us except our survival, that they legitimately care, that we don't. Well, you know, uh, Paul Hellyer, who I have a great deal of respect for, the former defense minister of Canada, said that when we started blowing off atom and hydrogen bombs, they came from every corner of the universe, because when one of those bombs goes off, not only does it damage us and damage our own atmosphere, it has a dramatic impact across the universe. If everything is one thing, then that stands to reason that's absolutely logical, that it would have a negative impact on the entire universe. Known and very unknown. Absolutely. And so, you know, I, and I, and I agree with what he said that they looked down upon us and said, oh no, the children are playing with fire.
0: It, it very well could have. But I do, I do want to play devil's advocate on something, Andrea. And I'm going to ask you to forgive me for this, okay? But I'm mm-hmm. kind of known for being the devil's advocate of the group here when you say, Jason, I mean, it's just kind yeah, of like my wish.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I dealt with George on with this for two, you know years. So I <laughs> will for anything that you throw my way, anything. Well,
0: my question is more about uh, uh, something with Hillary, okay? And that's kind of where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. And, and please don't take it as derogatory. But if if Hillary does take the White House, if Hillary does go into office and Hillary does come out and say I couldn't find anything, does that do you do you think that she's you know legitimately didn't find anything or maybe there would be political pressures to keep it silent at that point?
3: the second i think that she would have been yes i think that they will if if it's just if if the powers that be that far supersede the presidency to come to a determination that it is just simply too dangerous then they will do everything in their power to shut her down and to keep those doors closed bolted locked sealed shut and you know and i don't think that as president that any president Can pry those doors open i think that that's when you know she would need to come out and say folks i know some stuff but i don't know everything and i'm being kept from that and the people of the united states and lo the people of the world who find this fascinating find this um so more compelling than anything need to rise up and speak out to our government here and to uh, the people around the world, to their governments, and say, We demand disclosure. Mm-hmm. We know there are millions and millions and millions of people on this planet right now who don't believe in extraterrestrial engagement. They mm-hmm. know that it exists. And the more that we speak out, the more that we engage with our fellow human beings, the more chance that we will have a voice when the time comes.
2: Well, uh, the chat room seems to be optimistic, and specifically, Reverend Robin Marie states that uh, Hillary Clinton has given statements on it numerous times and that she will release information, but yes. one thing that really piqued my interest is something, once again, that George, uh, George R. Lopez brought up in the chat room, and uh, I like the thought of this. It was, they don't want anything from us, but how much will we want from them? Which I think is a very interesting question to raise yes
3: yeah, very intriguing question yes. and a very erudite question
2: right I mean first off
3: what will we want from them?
2: And that's, that's kind of selling ourselves short, I think, by saying they don't want anything from us. Because how many times have we gone back to folklore or uh, ethnobiologists, ethnobiologists will go through through folklore in order to find cures for, to, for maladies today? There's a lot of things that we can learn from our own ancient ancestors regarding some uh, medicines, medicinal specifically. And even in some cases, in the case of Roman concrete, some engineering concrete. Uh, 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 Cues or qualities or answers from. So I don't think selling ourselves short, we might have thought of something a little bit differently. Not saying we're more advanced, but we're certainly different in thinking from a technology, from a, uh, a civilization that is spacefaring. So we may have something to offer, mm-hmm. but. And of course, a lot of the chat room, uh, including Jeff Leeper, would say we have big, we have bacon, so they would definitely want bacon. And I agree; I would want bacon if I don't have
3: yeah, it. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, bacon. Yeah, All right, I'm going. That. Yeah, I'm going to acquiesce yeah, on that absolutely. point. No, really, <laughs> I am. Absolutely. Um, but what else
2: would you know, they want? For what, what do we
3: want from them though? Because we're kind of thing. like that. What we're going to ask them when when this happens, uh, when this happens, not if, but when, they're going to be asked very important questions that will alter the course of human civilization if they answer them honestly, which I think that they would. Uh, Now, I have not encountered any uh, communication that is in my language. I have never heard anything come into my head. I have never experienced anything uh, that left me anything other than woozy, uh, slightly nauseous, feeling as though my head was going to explode off my shoulders, feeling a pressurized, almost vacuum effect around me when I have these encounters. I also feel an absolute flood of love and devotion and compassion. I think that they look down upon us as their little children that are so misguided and that we just don't know how to stop uh, destroying ourselves and our beautiful planet. I think that they look down upon us with almost uh, a sad soul when they look at the the shape of our world and what we've done to it with our technology. But here's the most important question in terms of disclosure or lack thereof. What would it mean to humanity if they could suddenly teach us that we are indeed self-healing machines and that we don't need a single drug from a single drug company in order to make ourselves whole and happy and healthy. What would that mean to the pharmaceutical industry? Industry, crash. Who do you think owns Congress? The pharmaceutical industry, the gas and oil industry, and it goes on and on, the banking industry. You know, what would happen if suddenly in the most capitalistic society in the world that controls the vast amount of resources in the world That suddenly all of that was undone, and we no longer needed the medical community. What if they were to say to us, oh, you've had the cure for cancer for decades and decades. You jailed the man who found it and let him die from a broken heart in 1923. You already had it. We already sent him. We sent you Nikola Tesla. What did you do with it? Westinghouse. Let him die in a rat infested hell hole right. while he took all of his papers and all of his information and then buried it because it did not serve him personally. It did not... It served him personally to do that. It did not serve the world. We could have free electricity all over this world. We could have global communication. What if all of this was just suddenly revealed to us things that certain people have already had access to in terms of information for a very long time and have decided to bury it because it's not profitable to them? What would happen to our society if it simply crumbled because the largest corporations in America and some of the largest corporations in the world were so suddenly null and void, no longer necessary. What would happen to all the stockholders of ExxonMobil? What would happen to all the stockholders of Pfizer Pharmaceutical? What would happen to all the stockholders at Bear Stearns and all the companies that basically just ran our economy Sorry, into the, aggra- the ground that. eight years ago? It would change everything. It would change the social paradigm. It would change the business paradigm. It would change everything. And I say it's time to shake up this world.
0: But you know something, if you think about it, I know this may just be a simplistic look. I'm sorry. And Jason, I'm sorry if I interrupted you on something, but know no, thought fine. occurred to me. You know the big scandal here recently about the enormous increase in the price of EpiPens and, and uh, oh, insulin uh-huh. and it's everything yeah. else? That would almost make sense if this was getting ready to break so that these pharmaceutical companies could line their pockets for the long haul after it happens. Call me devil's advocate, yeah, call me you know conspiracy theorist, whatever you want. But, I mean, that almost fits the M.O.
3: Uh, yes, actually, it does. And I don't think that that's uh, actually an implausible theory at all. I think that uh, there's uh, an awful lot that's going on in the world, almost an urgency, about uh, strip mining an urgency about fracking, an urgency about let's make every dime that we can off of every drop that we can because it's going to change and it's going to change soon.
0: No doubt, no
2: doubt. And I wanna also apologize for some of the sounds you've been hearing in this show. <laughs> it's Jason, funny because well, I, Jason put
0: down Pornhub. We don't We don't,
3: <laughs> we, don't <laughs> nice, we, really nice. we
2: don't use any special effects, but for whatever reason, every once in a while some sound will creep on the computer. And in this case, Cortana is not shutting up. I have never had Cortana kick on during <laughs> a show and I, I, I
3: blame felt- myself. No, I blame myself for this. I have a tendency to disrupt uh, uh, m- uh, electronic de- devices. It's, I do. It is. Last week I had, had, really had so really many, so many in- inter- interferences, interactions, uh, when we, you know, depending on the subject matter that we were talking about. But, you know, doesn't it stand to reason that we are all basically electrical energy that's being conducted by water? And so in that respect, each one of us is a conduit of the, of the source energy in the universe. And doesn't it make sense that our energy, as it expands from us, is capable of disrupting or interrupting just the, the same way that we say, "Oh, it's Mercury retrograde." Well, maybe it's us. Yeah, no, maybe kidding. it's us. Maybe it's part see, of our extension. I wish
0: I wish you could have been on last week because I could have blamed you for the power going out here. <laughs> three quarters of the way through the show last week, <laughs> no, I never no. made it back. It was just yeah, out, out. It was no so, seeing
2: Rob at that point. Yeah, I was. i, was I was I'm sitting here talking.
0: Next thing I know, house goes dark. I'm like,
2: <laughs> we, we pay a bill, <laughs> you know? No. No kidding, but it's funny because I've never had uh, uh, Cortana jump in anywhere near this much, and I've had Windows 10 for quite some time in filming these shows. It's funny. I don't know why she won't shut up, but I've been fighting her all show. I'm like, click, click close. No, no, don't say anything. No, no, don't say anything. And sometimes, about three or four times, I've lost control over. her, and George is like, (laughs) that woman again. So,
1: yes, (laughs) we didn't face that that Uh,
3: I silenced her. (laughs) I had my computer text. Come over here and zippity doo dah her, and she still keeps coming
2: back. I think I need to do that. I don't really. I should know how to do that as a network
0: engineer, but I need to look that that up because yeah, <laughs> good idea. especially during familiar. during the show, that would be great. Yeah, you know. But I'll be honest with you. I I can tell you, I have never before been irritated at our chat room, but I'm kind of irritated with them right now. If they keep talking about bacon, I'm going to have to go eat something.
3: I know. I know. <laughs> They're killing me. man. I've sat here. I've got okay, food waiting. It's and stuff, okay. and I'm like, Ugh. you know what. It's the tribe, and they're all addicted. <laughs> they're all addicted, and it's all because of George. It is. I, I, I mean, I they send in ma- maple flavored bacon, and they say, "I mean, he's well, I've uh, ch- bacon." I, I
0: had chocolate covered bacon before, and I so I'm a bacon uh-huh. fiend, and they're killing me with this bacon talking. And then we go to bacon and pie and swimming, which I'm going to blame you for, Jason. You're the one that threw that out at one a.m. But uh, <laughs> well, no, we have a. We're now planning a bacon.
2: A uh, bacon pie and swimming party at, at Tuesday night. Uh, so
3: that's going to uh, be interesting. I'll be there. I can't fly out there. Oh no, I won't. I'll be in Colorado doing Gaia TV. Oh,
2: and I want to know because we're actually approaching the end of the show. Nice. They just gave him a slice One of, my of pizza. My friends here at the
0: house actually just brought me a piece of pizza
2: because <laughs> he's so hungry. The intern, that's hilarious. That Jeff like, Lieber was asking friends. if he had an intern, Rob, and there's the intern coming
0: in with a slice of pizza.
2: Nice. <laughs> yeah, I like.
0: Might that. be able to. Might be able to work on that for you, Jeff. Robin put up our new website, by the way, www.livingparanormalbacon.com. So we're going to we're gonna have to grab that domain name, man. It's we do.
3: We do. It'll be like <laughs> Yes, we do. And, you know, time. let me just say for a moment, you know, I have enormous respect for Robin. I think she's, you know, a stellar presence in the community, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very serious, very beautiful inside and out. You know, and we've not even met in person yet, and I love that woman. So, you know, just please make sure to tell her. I think she's extraordinary and uh, an inspiration to many more than she even knows.
1: Absolutely. So,
3: you know, i got to put that out there. And, you know, while we're talking about, I don't know how much time we have left, but I really do need to impose upon you no, for a few minutes since we're talking about consciousness raising here. Just, just let and you I know. must implore everyone mm-hmm. within earshot of this uh, really remarkable evening that we've spent together, if you want to blow your mind wide open, if you want to start to really understand the true nature of humanity in order to be able to overcome it and its insidious, uh, implicit proclivities, then I would highly recommend uh, our new book. I co-wrote a book called In a Flicker with George Lopez, and it hasn't been out long. I mean, it's coming up on just uh, a year in October that it's been out, and it's got nothing but five-star reviews from around the globe. It is the most extraordinary story, and I can say that with all humility because it was George's idea. I would never, ever have come up with this. Uh, It blew my mind. Uh, to the extent that I had to be part of the project, that I had to make sure that his absolutely phenomenal story made it out into the world. And I can't tell you, you just simply have to trust me on this. I can't tell you even, you know, the any of the intricacies of this story because it would be a spoiler. It's just one of those stories that will just rip your heart right out of your body. You will fall in love. You will fall deeply into disdain and hatred. You will have every human experience that you can have while reading this book. Wow. It will pull from you every human emotion. It will rip your heart wide open, and that it will hand it back to you healed. And please, please go to our website, uh, in a com, and look at the beautiful video that George made as a promo for it. Enjoy reading some of the incredible stellar reviews that this story has gotten. And please read it and share with your friends and help us spread the word because this is a story that humanity needs to read.
2: I noticed That's that. A- it actually has a really good ratings on Amazon, which has a very, very, very sarcastic crowd. Amazon will yeah. find any excuse to oh, tear yeah. a pook apart. And In a Flickr is actually rated very highly. Uh, and uh, definitely, com is a, the website for the book that she's referenced to. And she spoke about it as well in our last show. So I already do have it in our guest bookstore uh, on livingparanormal.com. dot com. So you. if you are uh, listening. very much. No, no problem. If you're listening on the phone, your favorite podcast device, and you, you're like, oh, what's the website? I need a pen. Or I need to get my. I don't know why people use pens. They have a phone. Don't worry, just go to livingparanormal.com, <laughs> search for Andrea Perone or search for George R. Lopez. I tagged him on there as well. Or in a Flickr,
0: and you'll get the book will come right up. So uh, you can order it and,
2: straight from their site and even Amazon. Go ahead,
0: Rob. And, and just so you know, Andrea, Robin posted in the chat room, thank you, Andrea. I love talking to you, too. And then Jeff Lieber popped in and said, admit it, you love me, too, Andrea. So i just
1: throwing those up. I, I
3: do admit that I love him, too. I do. But I will tell you something about Jeff Lieber. He took a leap a long, long time ago. He did not come by that name by accident. And uh, he is out there. He is my out there. There's nothing I can't discuss with that man. I've done his show over the years. Uh, We've met at several different events. We can go on for literally hours. We have to be pried apart at events and dragged off to separate tables so that other people can talk with us as well. And that's the truth of that.
2: You know, speaking of that, speaking of going to events, this is usually Rob's territory, but I, I just can't help it. I want to ask, what's gonna, what, are you, what's coming up for you? What's next for for Andrea Perone, if I may? As Rob applauds my efforts,
3: uh, I'm leaving uh, Tuesday morning for uh, flying into Denver, uh, being driven to Boulder, Boulder, Colorado, where I will spend the entire day in studio on Wednesday. Uh, doing one whole interview about, in a flicker, uh, Regina Meredith, uh, who is just finishing the book right now, uh, is is rather blown away. I can't wait for that segment. And we're going to do a number of different segments. We're going to do segments about UFOs, spiritual ascension, uh, tying it all together. We've pretty much covered my trilogy, House of Darkness, House of Light, with the first three uh, in a series of interviews that I did with her. And now we're going to pretty much double my presence 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 uh, on Gaia TV, formerly GaiaM TV. Uh, They have 10 million plus subscribers worldwide. That is my audience: the spiritualists, the ascenders, you know, the the empaths, the people who are really doing serious spiritual work on this plane of action. Um, And so, I'm very excited about that. And then I'm going up to the Little Traverse Bay uh, in Petoskey. Um, Michigan. I'm going up there in October. Uh, I'm doing a lecture with John Tenney in Berkeley, Michigan, just prior to that event, and then we're going up to the Petoskey event. Um, I am going to San Antonio, Texas. For the Dia de Dia los Muertos, I can never get that right. Never. Dia the de Day los of Muertos. the Dead masquerade ball uh, and Halloween, and I'm going to be spending that in San Antonio. Last year, George and I were out with um, Anne Rice at the Vampire Lestat. Caracan, and I had the distinct pleasure of finally talking to her in person. It was great. Nobody got a picture of it, but it's oh, still, it was great. That's awesome. Uh, she's just lovely. And, uh, but this year, I'm going back to San Antonio, and I have a number of other different events. There's going to be, I believe, on the 21st or the 22nd. I'm Sorry, I can't get the date. That Saturday night of October, a showing of The Conjuring at the magnificent uh, old Tampa Theater in downtown tampa mm-hmm. and then a lecture afterwards including myself my father and my sister nancy um so that's going to be uh, a big deal and i've got you know a couple of other things for smaller events that i'm attending as well i'm doing uh, an event in Casadega, florida on october 1st i'm kind of everywhere omnipresent because this is paranormal christmas september and october is Actually. paranormal christmas mm-hmm. and then when it's done um I'm putting my feet up for a little while, I'm going to go spend some time with my mom and my sister in Georgia, have Thanksgiving with them, come back down here, do Christmas, and uh, start planning ahead for next year. Meanwhile, I'm also working in well into uh, the second screenplay for the books, uh, because I've got producer, director, uh, and all the stars are aligning around turning uh, the trilogy into a series of films so that uh, people who are really interested and Saw the Conjuring and thought that was the truth are going to have a real awakening about what actually happened. If they haven't read the books yet, then they can see them on screen, although I always recommend the books, no matter what, always better than a movie. But uh, I'm well into uh, the second film uh, for a screenplay, Um, and I'm just uh, running around doing a whole bunch of things, not chicken-with-your-head cut-off stuff, uh, not frantic. Uh, it's it's all paced and spaced appropriately for my energy level, but <laughs> I'm having the opportunity to encounter an awful lot of wonderful, like-minded people in my travels and um, just loving life.
2: Outstanding. And I'm actually looking forward personally to you coming to San Antonio because uh, we're going to be there. Uh, me and Kim, or Kim and I, or no, me, no, Kim and I. Yeah, it's Kim and I. Kim and I are going to be there uh, at the Dia de los Muertos celebration and festival with you at the Black Swan. And I look forward to meeting you in person. It's going to be outstanding.
0: I'm going to love it. Uh, in addition to that... It- and. Go ahead, for, just real fast for the record, Andrea, we usually have Jason say anything that has a Latino flair to the pronunciation on the show because I can't do it either. I, i'm I'm just simple country boy, you
3: know so but uh, I do I speak French, not Spanish, and I know they're both romance languages but I get so tongue-tied trying to speak Spanish. It's ridiculous. So, yes, Jason,
2: you're in charge of it from now on. No, no problem. It's kind of hard for me too sometimes be honest with you, but I do want to say for everybody that was listening, that was a ton of information that flashed by. If you want a lot of information, uh, excuse me, if you want more information on The Conjuring, if you've seen the film, you want more background information for it, you can, of course, find more information on our show, the last show we had with Ms. Perone, which is called Leave the Lights On at Night. You can do a search for Andrea Perone. Uh, on our website at www.livingparanormal.com just the search bar is right on top or you can click on past shows and scroll down for that show it is broken up into pages also of course she has written House of Darkness House of Light a trilogy of books on this subject, on her experiences there at the home, which yes, is markedly different uh, than what you've seen in the movies and in the theaters, but equally or should I say more entertaining and certainly more informative uh, than the show but or than the movie part of me. but um definitely recommend that as a one stop be all source for information on her occurrences and experiences there. In the home, while she was growing up, there in a flicker novel is a novel written uh, by George R. Lopez, co-written with Andrea Perón. Uh, definitely re- recommend picking that one up. You can find that over in a flicker in a dot com in a
0: flicker dot com. See English right is hard after for me. I compliment you on your pronunciation. <laughs> exactly, no kidding, right? Well,
3: Rob, I think yeah, he's uh, struggling, uh, struggling you know through his native language. Yeah, I love it. <laughs>
0: But what an another amazing show tonight, Jason. Uh, just a real quick reminder before we do go. Absolutely. As I announced at the beginning of the show, coming up this October, and hopefully every October from here on out, and hopefully in the future, we'll have more um, more guests. Uh, nice, uh, you know, cornucopia of people. I'm looking at you, Andrea. We'll talk later. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. we're going to be holding the uh, first annual conference at the Ramsdale. Uh, with Reverend Robin Marie and some others that'll be announced once we get everything completely nailed down. So I just wanted to to throw that back out there one more time. But with that being said, and Andrea, please stay on the phone with us for a few moments and we'll uh, talk a little bit after we go off. But uh, what a great show, man. So much Excellent. covered tonight. Great information totally. and, uh, and a wonderful time. So if I may take the lead here for... Andrea Perrone for Jason Olivo. I'm Rob Henry. I hope you guys have a fantastic night. And just remember, we'll be back next week at the same time with another fascinating discussion. Have a wonderful evening. Adios.